Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. To the Lord. Amen. We're going to continue this morning going through our series that we've been going through, which is our Hope Overflowing series. And, you know, I'm excited about this series because I believe this is something that God has laid on my heart for, for us as a church right in this moment of time. And our key scripture for this series has been Romans 15 and verse 13. And it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, so as I said even last week, I believe this is something that God is speaking to our church at this moment in time. You know, because I believe the enemy is going after our hope as a church. Hope to believe that God is going to do something great in the future. That there is a better day ahead. But you know, I want to encourage us and God's word encourages us that there is a better day ahead. Because our hope is not in our situations or in our circumstances or the people around us. Our hope is in the living God this morning. And we have a hope and a future in him. As it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. So no matter what's going on this morning, there is a future for this church. And I believe it's a glorious future. No matter what's going on in the last couple of years, there is a glorious future for this church. Because our God is a faithful God. So in this series, we've looked at what hope is. And hope, biblical hope, is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And then we've seen that our foundation, the foundation of our hope, is the grace of God. If someone says why we have hope, it is only because of the grace of God. That is why we have hope. And last week we looked at the reason we can keep on hoping. The way that we keep our hope alive, it is the Word of God. We fight with the Word of God. The battle for our hope is won with the Word of God as we take hold of Scripture and we fight with us. That is what keeps our hope alive. And so this morning we're going to begin to look at and focus on what exactly we're hoping for what are we hoping for and we're going to spend four messages looking at this question and today's answer is taken from if you've got a bible titus chapter 2 please titus chapter 2 and we're going to read verse 11 to 14 together it will be up on the screen behind me (coughs) titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 14 thank you dad for standing in this morning Titus 2, verse 11 to 14. And it says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So what exactly are we hoping for? What is our hope as a people of God? Well, our hope, according to verse 13, is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, as believers, our hope is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. It is the second coming of Jesus. 
I know this morning we could study the events of the second coming. We could look at exactly how it's going to take place. You know, we could look at the prophecies of the second coming and how they've all been fulfilled. And we could look at the exact timeline of when, uh, uh, of the events that are going to take place even after the second coming, like the millennium and the great tribulation. We could look at all these different things this morning. And we will do that sometime. We will do probably a series on that at some time. However, this morning, I believe that there is something else that we need to focus on. And I want to mention it because I believe it's something we all need to realize. And especially as a church, it's something that we realize, need to realize. You know, belief in the second coming of Jesus is considered by many people. If you were to share that to, to the people in this world, to say that Jesus is coming again, I'm sure the people in this world, people in your family, in your workplace, some of them would say that you're absolutely bonkers. Some of them would say that you're crazy. Some people, unbelievers, say that it's a fantasy. Others might say it's an outdated mythology. And others would argue that it's scientifically flawed. People would say, you know, there's no proof of this and all these different things. But what I believe we as a church need to be more prepared for is not the rejection of the second coming from unbelievers, but the rejection of the second coming that's coming from inside of the church. And this is something that is happening in our time. It is something that is rising up within our time. An example of this, even as far back as 1950, there was this professor of divinity named William Neal. And he was a professor in the University of Nottingham. And he writes this. He says, the day of the Lord is God's timeless judgment, which is past, present and future. In a sense, it is always to come. In a sense, it is always present. And in a sense, it, is always, uh, it has already been passed. Thus, the second coming is like creation. In a real sense, timeless, not a historical event, but the underlying purpose of history and the summing up of all things in Christ. You might be wondering, what on earth is he going on about with it? In other words, what he's basically saying is that the second coming has symbolic meaning, but it's not an actual historical event that will take place. It's not a real event that will take place. You know, as a church, we can understand, can't we? Unbelievers are going against this. But I begin to struggle when, when people within inside the church begin to argue against this truth. And it's not, even just people, it's not even just ordinary Christians, even those in authority, those in leadership positions. There are many who are rising up saying that it's, it's not going to happen. It's just this idea. It's, it's just something that's, you know, just there to comfort us. It's not really going to take place. You know, the main problem with this, the main problem with what ne William Neal said and other believers say is not, not that it just contradicts lots and lots of biblical texts. Not only does it do that, but it, it does do that. But the main thing, the main problem with it is that it attacks Christ. It, it attacks Christ. It attacks Jesus. That's the main problem with it. Yes, we could argue and say, well, there's proof of this, there's proof of that. But what it's really attacking is Jesus himself. It attacks Christianity at the very center, at the very center of it. You know, the center of Christianity is the coming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to this world as a real man. And he came to destroy sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil and to create a new people for himself, for his glory, to restore mankind, a separated mankind, that mankind which was cut off by sin, Jesus came in his love and his grace to come to make a way possible that we could be forgiven and restored with our God. And the very heart of our faith is Jesus did this by obeying the will of his Father 
and by dying on the cross for you and for me, then three days later rising victoriously over sin and over death, then ascending at the right hand of the Father with all his enemies under his feet. And the second coming is the completion of his saving work. The second coming is the completion of his work. Jesus is coming again. Jesus hasn't finished. He is coming again. And if you take away the second coming, then the whole fabric of, of his saving work unravels. If you take away his second coming, then you can discount his first coming. There was no point for his first coming if we take away his second coming. And what's really behind this denial of the second coming is that there's a denial of the real physical incantation of God. In other words, it's people denying that, God, that Jesus actually did come and walk and take on flesh. And it's a denial of a real physical resurrection. It's denying that Jesus actually, not only was he actually here and he was a real person and he was the son of God as flesh, but also that it, what, he died on the cross and he rose again. It's denying all of that. So if you deny the second coming, you deny his resurrection and you deny that he's even here, was even here in the first place. So we, as a people, we as a church, we need to pray. And we need to fight against this. We need to stand on the truth of God's word. We need to fight against this, that once again, that as the, the people of God would once again grasp this truth, that Jesus is coming again. The church needs to be ready. The church needs to be ready. He is coming again. He could come again right now. Every prophecy within the Bible concerning his second coming has been has passed. It, it, it has been come through. It, it has been delivered. You know, we, he is coming again. So I want to encourage us this morning that this is our hope. This is our blessed hope, as the Bible says, is that Jesus is coming again. The appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Jesus is coming again. So we're going to jump back into Titus chapter 2 for a moment. And Titus, in Titus chapter 2, it says that there are two appearings of Christ. One called an appearing of grace, and the other called an appearing of glory. In verse 11 it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So this is, the, this is referring to the first coming of Jesus, the appearance of grace. That is the first coming of Jesus, the appearance of grace to save his people from sin. And then verse 13, it says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the second coming, the appearing of glory. First grace, then glory. In Paul's mind, these two were inseparably linked. These two were linked. First grace, then glory. And you know, that's why the, the rejection of a real second coming is an attack on the center of our faith. That's why it's an attack on the center of our faith. Because if Jesus isn't coming again, then Jesus didn't come in the first place. That's basically what he's saying. The Christ who came in grace is the Christ who will come in glory. And we need to stand on that. Jesus, who came in grace to save us, is coming again in glory. Victorious, the risen Savior, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is coming. He is coming. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 to 28 it describes this connection between the past and the future work of Jesus it says this Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 to 28 it says just as people are just as people are destined to die once 
and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You know, this passage clearly teaches us that the saving work of Jesus began with his first coming when he bore our sin upon the cross and it will be completed in his second coming when he saves us. And what is he saving us from? The final wrath. He's saving us from the final wrath of God and he's saving us to, to give us eternal rest in his kingdom forever and ever. So if you strip away the second coming, salvation is torn in half. And half a salvation is no salvation. You can't have half a salvation. It's either, either Jesus died to save us and he's coming again, or none of it happened. It's either one or the other. You're either going to believe it or you're not going to believe it. And, I, and look who he's coming for. I love verse 28 at the end. It says, to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He will come. He's coming for those who are waiting for him. Who are the ones who are to be waiting for him? His church, his bride, his people. However, you know, the reality is there will be many people in churches up and down this, this valley, up and down this world, who are coming along and will be in church, but they won't be taken up. You know, those who, just because we say, Lord, Lord Jesus will say, you know, I never knew you. That's why we need to make sure that we are right with the Lord. That's why every day we need to confess our sins. Every day we need to come before him and ask him to forgive us. Every day we need to keep following after him, living our lives for him. Every day we need to make sure that we are living right. He's coming for those who are waiting for him. And that is his church. I know those who are waiting for him, you know, it's not describing there like a criminal who's waiting on death row to, to be killed. It's not that sort of waiting, you know, or, or, you know. It's more like, do you ever remember when you were in school? And when you were in school and the summer holidays were coming, do you remember that feeling, that excitement on that last day, you were waiting for that clock to hit three o'clock or half past three and you were ready, summer holidays are going to be here, you know, you can't wait for it, you're so excited, or even the children now coming up for Christmas, it's this eager expectation, I can't wait for it, will it just hurry up, will it come, I can't wait for it to come, that's what the Bible is describing there, he's coming for those who are eagerly waiting for him. So this morning, with all that being said, I think it's time for us to look at ourselves in light of what Scripture is teaching us and what the Scripture is showing us. I wonder this morning, do you eagerly await the coming of Jesus? Are you excited for it? Are you looking forward to it? Are you like, I can't wait, will it just hurry up? Or are you like, I don't want it to come. I don't want it to come. Are you eagerly awaiting for it? And by that, I don't mean, do you believe the doctrine? I don't mean, do you just believe that he's coming again? I'm not on about that. Do you eagerly await Jesus? Are you awaiting him, not just for this, pro this doctrine to come to pass? Are you waiting for him? Are you excited to see him? Are you expecting to see him? Are you desiring to see him above all else? You know, I can't imagine what that day is going to be like. But when we see him face to face, when we see him, and we are there with him, just like I'm looking at you now. Like we're able to, you know, touch and reach out. He is there face to face. Are you excited to see him? And you know, this is a, a crucial test of the genuineness of our faith. Because if we're strong in God and we love God, then we can't wait for his coming. 
It's a byproduct of it. That if we love Jesus and we're walking right with Him, then we can't wait to meet Him and be with Him. I know I'm not on about you that we think about the second coming all the time, every moment of every day. You know, even if you're in love, how many of you think of your husband and your wife every moment of every day? Or any of you think, you know, even when Chloe and I were dating, you know, I didn't think of it every moment of every day, even though she thinks I did. Don't tell her that. She's in there this morning with the kids. Don't tell her that. I did, yeah. <laughs> but you don't do. You don't think about them every moment of every day. Well, rather, I think we need to ask these three questions. First of all, does our mind frequently turn to the truth of Christ's appearing? So it doesn't mean that we're always focused on it, but we think about it a lot. It is there. It's towards the front of our mind. It's something that we do think about, that we are living ready for, that we're trying to get our lives right. That's what it is basically meaning. And when our minds does turn to that truth of his appearing, when we do think about it, is there an eagerness? Do we want that? Is there a desire for it? And number three, do we pray for his coming? Lord, come. You know, some of us, I'm sure, have said that in difficult moments, in those tough moments when things are not going great. Oh, Lord, will you just come right now? But we do, do we say it on the mountaintop? Lord, come. We need to be praying for it. Jesus, come if you to come. Lord, will you come? Will you come quickly? As it says at the end of the Bible, behold, he is coming. He's coming quickly. He's coming very soon. Do we pray that? Lord, are you coming? If not, if the response to those three questions are, no, I don't, and we're being honest this morning, we've taken off that mask this morning, if you're honest this morning with yourself, and you're not eager for it, and you don't think about it frequently, and you don't pray for it, then I want to encourage us very quickly with these, this, these three truths from Titus 13. And these three truths encourage us and cause faith to rise within our hearts so that we would live eager and expectantly for our Saviour. You know, when I became the senior pastor of this church back in 2017, I shared the values of us as a church, that we're a praying church, that we're a Word of God church, that we're a church that reaches out, we're a family church, you know, we're a generous church. I shared those, but one new one that I introduced to is that we're an expectant church. And that doesn't just mean that God, we're expecting for God to come and move in the here and now. We're expecting for His coming. As I shared back then in 2017, we want to be a people who are, who are known as the second comers. You know, Pentecostals used to be known as that. A people who, they were called the second comers because that's what, what they always used to be talking about and sharing about. Was the second coming, they were ready for it. And I pray that we will go back to those roots as a people. That once again, the people in our homes, the people in, our, in the streets, in our workplaces, would once again say, oh, that gateway church, oh, you mean the second comers? Wouldn't that be an incredible title to have? That we were people who were so expectant for Jesus to come. And so I want to encourage us with these three truths very quickly from Titus 2.13. And this is why it's our hope this morning, our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour. First of all, we need to realise this is why it's our hope. For number one, it's a blessed hope. It's a blessed hope. It's opposite to a cursed hope. It's not a cursed hope, it's a blessed hope. That is blessed hope this morning. And now, so the first reason that we need to be eager for Jesus to come, to come again is because that day will mean a blessing for us who belong to him. Not, it's not going to be a curse, you know, it's not going to be a day of cursing, it's going to be a day of blessing. We are met with our Saviour, where the bridegroom meets his bride. 
we're coming. He's coming for us. You know, it says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not a curse. We're excited. It's going to be a blessed day. It's going to be an incredible day. There is a blessing for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a blessing, not a curse or a burden or a struggle. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to be a day of rejoicing. Yes, it's going to be a terrible day because there's going to be mourning and people who thought they belonged to Jesus who are not going to be there. The world's going to be crying out in pain. But for us who belong to Him, it's going to be a blessed day. Because we're going to be so caught up with our Saviour. And notice what Christ is called in this verse. The great God and Saviour. He's coming as our Saviour. Not just as judge, even though he is judge. He's coming as our Saviour to save us. And you know, when I think of a Saviour, you know, you think of a, a knight in, right, in shining armour, don't you want a horse coming to save you from, you know, from trouble? That's what he's going to be. Saving us from sin. Saving us from brokenness. Saving us from this broken world. He's coming to save us that we could be with him. It's a blessing. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 to 9. It says, let us put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we belong to Jesus, there is salvation for us, not wrath. It is salvation for you, not wrath. It is a blessed hope, not a cursed hope. That is a hope this morning. It's an expectant hope. God's going to save us. We're going to be with Him forever and ever. Number two, very quickly, it's not only a blessed hope, it's a visible hope. It's a visible hope. It, says it is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. You know, ever since the Son of God became man, ever since Jesus walked on this earth, men and women flocked to see Him. Crowds gathered wherever he was. Even in the story with the paralyzed man, people came. The house was rammed because people wanted to see Jesus. You know, it says even in the other Gospels, Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. Zacharias, he climbed the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus, rather. He climbed the sycamore tree, didn't he? To go and see Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this. Now we see through a glass, through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And John seems to make everything hang on this hope. He says in 1 John 3, verse 2 to 3, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We get ourselves ready because we're going to see him. Just as I can see you, Dawn. You know this one, just as I can see you, Pastor Tony. We're going to see him. He's going to be there. We're going to see him with our eyes. I don't know about you, but I don't want a long distance phone call with God. I want to see him. I want to be there. I, want to I don't want to see him on FaceTime. I want to physically see him. And we are going to. Because when he comes again, it's going to be a blessed hope. But it's a, he's going to be a visible hope. We're going to see him. He is going to be there. Just as, you know, Moses said, show me your glory. You know, we're going to see him in all his glory face to face. What an incredible day that is going to be. And number three, it is a glorious hope. A blessed hope, a visible hope, a glorious hope. It is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to John's attempt to put into words his revelation of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 to 16, it says, I turned around 
to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the shining sun in all of its brilliance. Can you imagine seeing him face to face? So often we, when we think we're going to see him, we got that picture haven't we, of those where the artists have you know, tried to do a portrait of Jesus, blonde hair and blue eyes and all these things. Revelation has a totally different picture. We're going to see him in all his might, in all his glory. We're going to see him. You know, this morning, I want to encourage us, our hope is the second coming of our God, second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, the Bible tells us Jesus is coming again. Whether you're ready for it or you're not ready for it, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. The Bible says he's coming on the clouds. Coming on clouds with heaven, with power, with great glory. He's going to send his angels to, to blow the trumpets. It's for the church to get ready. He's going to come again. We're going to hear that. We're going to hear that sound. We're going to hear the trumpet. And we're going to be caught up in the air with our God. He is coming again. He's going to gather all his people from every corner of this world. He's going to gather them. And we will be with him. And then we're going to glorify him forever and ever. In heaven, we're going to be joining with the angels and worshipping the Lamb. We're going to be around his throne singing his praises for all of eternity. And I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. So as we come to a conclusion this morning, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We're going to be crowned on that day with righteousness as we've longed for his appearing. I wonder, are you longing for him to come? Do you long for Jesus to come? Do you long to see him face to face? Do you long to know him? You know, if not, I pray that you'll ask the Lord to awaken your heart. Awaken your heart. And I want to encourage you to set yourself to meditate on the truth of God's word. And to meditate on the blessedness, the visibility and the glory of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again. If you're not encouraged, if you're not eager, start reading about it. Start reading who Jesus is. Start getting into revelation. Start seeing who he is. And I pray that hope will come, that it wouldn't be a fear in your heart that am I going or am I not going. Take this moment of grace to get your life right. And say, Lord, I long for you. I long to see you. I can't wait to be with you. I long to know you face to face. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make that desire within our hearts. And also for us, let's set ourselves to get into God's word and to encourage ourselves that we would be a people known as the second from us. You know, I do pray that one day that people would say, yeah, that Pastor Luke, he's, oh, he's a second coming preacher, yes. Yeah, you know, Gateway Church is the second coming people. That's all they go on about. Because we're excited. We've got this hope. Even though things might be difficult, or even though there's a struggle, 
Jesus is coming again. We're going to be with him. No matter what you are going through, our hope this morning is not here and now. It is in his coming. It is in him. He is coming again. Amen. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.